Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, ladies, for leading us and warming our hearts before the throne of God, even before we have an opportunity to hear from him. Pray for uh, Barb Carl. For the month of September, for the rest of the month of September, she will be traveling with her husband on vacation. <laughs> but we trust and we know, we should rephrase that, we know that the lives that they stop and visit will be blessed. Pray for their safety. Pray for their joy. Some people here in the congregation were probably wishing they would go with you for some of the things that you will see in Montana and then up into Colorado and joyous places of beauty, that's for sure, of seeing God's creation. I'm sure your lives will be touched as you will touch the lives of other people. Let's pray together. Father, uh, it is with great joy that even though outside it seems to be gloomy, those of us with arthritis are feeling the effects of it. And yet, Lord, inside is joyous. For we're with your people. It's a joy to be here this morning to lift our voices and praise to you. As we have sung about you being our solid rock. And realizing the fact that we do need you every hour. Maybe the word should change to every second. And then to realize that our precious Lamb of God was slain for us. That by grace through faith, by trusting in him and him alone, we, we have eternal life. We're grateful for that. And yet to rehearse that together as a congregation brings great joy. For whether the events outside, whether the circumstances that surround our lives, I'm grateful, Lord, that those things don't control you. For you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're grateful that here this morning we can rehearse that, we can be reminded of that. That God, you are still good all the time. And all the time, you're still good. And it's a great joy, Lord, this morning too, that we can pray one for another. To encourage one another. In the bulletin, we are awakened to the number of individuals that people of this congregation I've requested prayer for. Lord, we lift them to you. We ask, O oh Lord, that by your grace, you will honor yourself in their particular situations, whatever they would be. And I ask, O oh God, that if, there, if they are on beds of affliction, that by your will you will raise them according to your grace. If they are in need, 
I pray, O oh God, that you will supply according to your riches in heaven through Christ Jesus. And I pray, O oh God, that you would minister in a dynamic way. That though they may sense that they are alone, yet, Lord, I pray that they would be awakened to the fact that you are there. And they can rely upon you. We lift up to you, Lord, the Fortezas. They will soon be embarking on a journey here to the States in order to connect or reconnect with those who support them. It will be our honor to have them with us. And, and I pray, God, that at that time that the Fortezas would be just overflowing with your blessings. Through the recent surgery that Ernesto has had to go through, we thank you that the healing process of that has not hindered their journey here. And so, God, I pray that you would open the storehouses of your blessing. And as they journey, Lord, keep them safe by your will. For we know that wherever they go, they will speak of you. Father, too, we lift up to you our dear brother as he ministers in Kenya. God, I pray that Julius would sense your very glory today in his ministry with he and Agnes as they not only are involved in teaching at a seminary, but are very involved in touching the lives of people and tribes. Thank you for their heart's desire to see individuals come to know you. And God, would you bless them today. We thank you that our part Though minuscule, I'm sure, but a part that we have in being a part of their lives is really a blessing for us. So, Lord, we ask for your rich blessing upon them today also. As we embark, O oh Lord, in your word today, may, may what we hear come from you. As we focus upon a subject that it seems to be surfacing in our talks of what is God doing in the world. When we hear of the flooding that has happened, the fires that are uncontrolled, we kind of wonder, is this judgment of God? So this morning as we open your word and look at your judgments, we come to understand what does the Bible have to say about the judgments of God. May we also be awakened to what it is that we as your children should be about. 
guide, O Lord, our thoughts and our words. May we speak well of you. May we speak truthfully of you. And that which we lack, I pray, O God, you will supply. That which we don't know, I pray, O God, that you will teach us. All in all, O God, may our lives be a shining testimony of your grace. And for that, we'll be careful to praise you and thank you in your name. Amen. Before we begin, I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter three. I want to read from verse five over to verse seventeen. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. All of this is according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation. And another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which has, said, which has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. This morning we're going to look at what does the Bible say about the judgments. The judgments. Before we begin, though, I, I at least want to clarify a certain position. 
I would not be in the camp of saying that the most recent happenings, catastrophes in and around Houston and over into Louisiana is a judgment of God upon sin. I, I don't know that, and neither do you. But we can say this, that in that situation, God has given himself a witness of his power that we do know. During the time of nearly 16 years ago now, when two jets flew into the towers of New York City, when one jet flew into the section of Pentagon and another jet did not make its destination, it crashed in a field west of here. There were individuals. There were, as we would say, big gun pastors who were saying that those were judgments against the United States for their turning of their back upon God. That I don't know. But I do know this. That in those events, God had a witness of himself. All I do know is what the word of God has to say about judgments. We are going to look at three of them. These are not the exhaustive ones because I am aware of the fact that even in the proclamation of Genesis chapter 12, when Abraham is given a covenant by God, in that covenant, there is a judgment. There's also a blessing. For God said, in those nations that bless you, I will bless. But those nations that curse you, I will curse. That's a judgment. There are other happenings in the word of God that we can at least see that it is a judgment of God. The 70 years of captivity that the nation of Israel was taken off in the land of Babylon was a judgment of from God. And I would dare say that the most important judgment happened on a mountain called Calvary, where God laid his judgment upon his son, so that we, by grace through faith, may have everlasting life for those who believe. The three judgments that I want to at least cover, at least to open your mind of inquisitiveness, that maybe you will check them out yourselves, is this. We're going to look at the judgment seat of Christ. The next judgment we're going to look at is the judgment of the sheep and the goat nations. The third judgment will be the Great white throne judgment. 
These I can guarantee you, according to the word of God, are places of judgment from God. One has nothing to do with condemnation. Two do. So this morning, we're, as we begin our journey, let's first take a look at the judgment seat of Christ. One of the key passages, as I just read for you, is 1 Corinthians 5, 3, verses 5 to 17. But in Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 13, especially verse 10, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome, to the believers there, and he's warning them, do not judge your brothers. Based upon the fact that there were those who were saying, you can eat meat, and those who say, you can't. There are those who say that we can uh, uh, worship certain holidays, and those who say they can't. In present day, it would be those who say you can't go to movies and those who can. You can't wear blue jeans and those who say you can. You got to have King James or uh, you know where I'm going with that. The Apostle Paul was warning them not to judge on the minor situations. For he says in verse 10, for we will all appear. Before the judgment seat of Christ. It's a key passage. Go and check it out for yourself. The passage we read is also part of that judgment seat of Christ. And the second passage, or the, I should say the third one, is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 11. Again, especially verse 10, it highlights the judgment seat of Christ. Well, that brings us to this. What, what is the purpose of this judgment? What is the purpose? The first purpose is this. To judge the works of believers while serving God on the earth. It is to judge the works of believers while serving God on this earth. How many of you in high school were in a marching band? Let me see your hands. And most likely you were in events where you were in competition. And you would march up to the judgment seat. That's what it's called. The judgment seat of that competition, and you would perform. You were judged by your works on the field. How well you played, how straight your lines were, how the, the, the baton twirlers and the flag girls, how they were in sync, everything. You were judged about being a band. A marching band. You were judged by how well you performed. In other words, 
You didn't get before the judgment seat if you weren't a marching band. One guy out there with a bass drum strapped to his back, cymbals to his knees, a trumpet to his mouth, pulling strings and everything. He is not a band, and so he would not have been at that competition. The competition was about how well you performed. The judgment seat of Christ is about how well you perform. Notice the two texts. One of them we have already read. 1 Corinthians 3. The performance is, is how do you build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ? There's only two types. Gold, silver, precious stones. Wood, hay, straw. I believe they are speaking with your heart's condition as to what you're doing. They're both going to be tested the same way, as by fire. And only that which remains, it says, you will receive a reward. The second passage is 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. Again, when it describes about being at the judgment seat of Christ and receiving your rewards. So that is the first purpose. The second purpose of this, is, of this judgment is to remind believers that they need to be found ready. They need to be found ready. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 11, when you compare that to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, you come to realize that the Apostle Paul, who, who wrote both of these statements, says this for 2 Corinthians 5. He says, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men to be ready. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord will not be in vain. This judgment seat, this anticipation of standing before the Lord to give an account of what you have done, should stir us on to at least, am I ready to be there? And the third purpose is this. To reward believers for the works they have done for the glory of God. We will receive rewards. Knowing full well of what the judgment is, let me tell you what the judgment is not. What this judgment is not about. The judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment for salvation. Will someone give me an amen? It is not about salvation. 
Remember the illustration of the marching band. If you weren't a marching band, you were not getting into that competition and standing before the judge's seat. If you are not a believer, you will not stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Salvation is not the issue. Let me put it in street talk. You ain't getting there unless you got it here. And what you need here is by grace through faith, trusting in Christ and Christ alone as your only hope of eternal life. Then you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Salvation is not the issue. The issue is the judgment of works, whether good or bad. In fact, only those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior will appear at this judgment. Question is, when? When is this judgment going to happen? I believe this judgment will happen after the rapture. After the rapture. I say that because if you look at the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11, that passage that we wrote about, Paul is talking about the ministry that you and I have to build upon the foundation which has been set Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, he's talking about building up the church. He's talking about adding to the church. The reference is, is you've got Apollos and you've got Paul. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So you're talking, the context is about work and ministry. But you'll notice in verse 13, it says, For on that day, and day in your text is capitalized. What day is he referring to? It's in reference to what we've already talked about, the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord, as is in reference to in some of the Old Testament prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah... And in the New Testament, the day of the Lord is in reference to a time of a period of time which stretches from Jesus Christ coming in the clouds to take us home as the church all the way until when he comes back to the earth and establishes himself as the king of kings upon this earth. That is the day of the Lord. And so when Paul says everything will be revealed on that Day is referencing the fact that during the day of the Lord, which will begin at the time of what we call the parousia, the calling out, the rapture. In 
If you believe that to be opposite of what I just said, well, then you can be wrong for the rest of your life. No, 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 not at all. But that's what I hold to be true. That the judgment seat of Christ happens after the rapture of the church. Let's look at the, the second judgment. The judgment of sheep and goat nations. The key passage is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. What is the purpose of this judgment? Well, it's an answer to the disciples' questions in Matthew 24 and verse 3. It's an interesting question. It has three parts to that question. It says, Now he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And the end of the age. Three parts to that question. Jesus begins to answer that in chapter 24 and in 25. And he references the fact of his not coming in the clouds, but coming to the earth. Because he talks in chapter 24 about signs. When you see this, know that the coming of the Son of Man talking about signs and signs of the coming of the Lord only have to deal with him coming to this earth not in the clouds but then in chapter 25 Jesus begins to talk about the kingdom the establishing of his kingdom. And so the purpose of the sheep and the goat nation's judgment is this. To judge the nations on earth for the entrance into Christ's kingdom on the earth. There will be, even after the seven year tribulation period of time, there will still be nations on this earth. Not everyone's going to be destroyed. Not every nation is going to be wiped out. There will be nations here. And they are going to be judged as to whether they can enter into the kingdom. What is it based upon? Simply this. Judgment is based upon the nation's care of my brethren. I believe that's in reference to how well did they treat the nation of Israel during the tribulation period of time? Were they on their side or were they not? I'm not saying that our present president 
is the most righteous individual in the world. But I'm at least glad that he has reestablished a liking for the nation of Israel that was absent for eight years prevalent. When our previous administrator <clears throat> went over to Israel and tried to convince the nation to vote against Netanyahu and establish his person. Don't tell me about Russia interfering with our elections. <laughs> we had a president who tried to interfere with two country elections, England and Israel. So don't complain to me about Russia. Plus, I never saw any Russians pulling the, pulling the switch when I was voting, did you? <laughs> the judgment of the sheep and goat nations is all about how well did we treat the nation of Israel during the time of the tribulation period of time. Secondly, when will this judgment take place? It says in verse 31 of chapter 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. In other words, cross-reference to Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through Four. The last one. The great white throne judgment. The key passage is Revelation chapter 20. Turn there, please. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to their works. Then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The judgment. What is its purpose? 
says, number one, the judgments is that the dead were judged according to their works. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, 12, excuse me. This is the final judgment of those whose names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life. They will be cast into the lake of fire where Satan, the false prophet, and the beast were already cast. Those verses are there for you to go back into the Word and find out that the three darkest enemies of the spiritual realm have already met their judgment. But this judgment is not for the believer. It is only for those who have rejected Jesus Christ. It says, whose name is not found, written in the Lamb's book of life. When will this judgment take place? It takes place sometime... After the thousand-year reign of Christ, when Satan's final battle has occurred. You'll notice that in the previous verses, in verse 7 through 10, that Satan is released. After the thousand years, he's released for what it says, a short season. And he will go around... And try to convince everyone in the world at that time to come against Jesus Christ. To him, it's a spiritual coup. He wants to overthrow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is there that he meets his end, for he will be destroyed. Then he will be captured and cast into the lake of fire, which it says that the false prophet and the beast will already be there. John then says this interesting word, then I saw. So it is after that, sometime after that period of time, When this particular judgment has occurred. Notice what happens in that judgment though. It says all of death. The sea will give up their dead. Death will give up its dead. And even hell will give up their dead. And they will all stand. Before God. Before Jesus Christ. And he will judge them. According to their works then they will be cast into the lake of fire this one has everything to do with salvation my question is this where are you was there a time that you can remember in your life 
that you asked Jesus, that you believed in him and him alone, his finished work for you upon Calvary, his resurrection from the tomb was enough to pay for your sin. Have you trusted in him and him alone? That's the question. For now, Paul says, is the day of salvation, for we have no idea about tomorrow. If you have never trusted and believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ, I ask you to do that right where you're sitting. It's as simple as what the Apostle Paul wrote for us in 1 John 5, verse 11 and 12 and 13, when he said, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God has not life. These things I've written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you can have eternal life, and that you may still believe in the name of the Son of God. Have you trusted Jesus Christ? I trust you have. If you have, have not and you have questions about that, I plead with you. Don't leave today. Find one of the elders of the church. Find Pastor Isaac of myself. And ask us, will you show me how I can know I can have eternal life? We would be honored to do that because quite frankly all eternity rests on that decision can we pray father I I do ask that if someone is here today that has never trusted in you they've they've never come to that place in their life where they have even believed that your work was enough for them that they can be set free. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would not let them leave today. You work in their lives. The Holy Spirit, you bring upon them a desire to find the answer. How can I know I have eternal life? And for those of us that do know you, who have trusted in you and believe in you, Lord, may our lives be awakened to the day that yet awaits us to stand before you and give an account of the things that we have done. May we be found ready if you were to come at this moment in time. May we serve you, Lord, out of a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving for all that you've done for us with a purpose of honoring you. And for that, we will thank you and praise you in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.